let you be seated this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and then verses 36 and 37. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and then verses 36 and 37. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and then verses 36 and 37. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, skip down with me, if you will, to verse 36. There was also a prophetess. Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning on Anna and Simeon, persistent prophets. I want to ask that you would just also join me as we pray today. Just two urgent requests. I want to ask you to pray with me. If you'll remember Jenny Tennyson this morning, she needs healing. We're thankful that the doctors have have discovered the pneumonia and they're treating her, but we just need complete and total healing protection for the baby. And then also our state overseer, uh, Brother Melvin Schuler. His son, who was 46 years old, I believe he was, passed suddenly in the night this past week, left behind a wife and three children, I believe. And so let's pray for these needs today. Would you join me? Father, I thank you and I praise you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing. I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you would just, Lord, touch every need that is in this house. I know that I've mentioned two that are urgent, but... I know that every person here, probably every single one of us, has some things that we need you to work on. We need you to help us with. Lord, there's some stuff we need help with, and then there's some stuff that it's just completely and totally out of our hands, and we need you to do it for us, oh God. I just pray for needs across this house right now. I pray for those that, Lord God, maybe Christmas is not the most joyous time. Maybe this is the first Christmas without a loved one. Maybe financial pressures are on them. But for whatever reason, I pray that you just help them and strengthen them right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would touch, Lord God, that those that I've mentioned, Lord, we pray for Jenny. Lord, we just believe you for complete and total healing. We pray that that pneumonia would be cleared up right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would touch her and heal her. Father, I pray that you just touch that baby, continue to protect it there in the womb in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray, Lord, for Lord Bishop Schuler, Lord Sister Glenda, Lord, their entire family, Lord, as they are grieving the sudden and tragic loss, Lord God, of their son, their husband, their father, brother, Lord. We just pray that you just be with them and strengthen them, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, now I pray that today as we are here, I pray that you would just help me, Lord, as I preach your word, give me the clarity of thought, 
the clarity of speech, Lord, that is so necessary to get this done. Lord, I can't do this on my own. But, Lord, I am in requirement of your help and your anointing. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that today in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray for every heart, every mind, every spirit that you would just help them and strengthen them, O oh Lord. I just give you the praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. Anna and Simeon awaiting the Savior. As we study the scriptures, we find characters who are mentioned only briefly, but their brief appearance is so impactful that they stay in our memory. I think I'm hearing some Christmas carols in these monitors somehow. I don't, uh, but <laughs> they were great, but I don't know if I can concentrate with them going on or not. You know, we have different ones throughout the Scripture like that. There was the widow who fed Elijah. There was Nathan and his message to David. Uh, there was the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. We find also the lad who brought his loaves and fishes to Jesus. Some of these are not named, but we remember them all. Though Scripture is very brief in their description about them and talking about them, they make a huge impact in these areas, change the course in different stories. Imagine if Nathan the prophet had not come to David and been the one that pointed his finger in his face after telling him the parable of the lamb that was stolen and pointed his finger in the face of David and said, you are that man. Imagine if that young lad had not been the one that would have brought and offered his loaves and fishes to Jesus so that over 5,000 could be fed. Imagine this woman who we never even know her name, who had had this sickness and had spent all that she had on doctors and medicine, but still was not well. Imagine if this woman had not had the persistency to press through the crowd and to break the laws of the day because of her condition and being considered unclean. Imagine if this woman had not pressed through and touched the hem of his garment. We will look at these kind of people, and I want today to look at two of these kind of people in particular, especially since they had a huge impact on the first coming of Jesus Christ. Anna and Simeon, because really and truly it's hard to think about the birth of Jesus without thinking about them. The first thing we look at today is that a faithful remnant in Israel looked for the Messiah. Now, we know that Scripture tells us Jesus would later on when he was grown and he was teaching and preaching, he would come on, he would say, you know, that he had come that was only grieved over Jerusalem because Jerusalem would not accept him. His own people really did not accept him. The Jews as a whole rejected him. I don't want to skip on to the next holiday too quickly, but it was at Easter time where we know there before the crucifixion where it was his own people that were standing there before Pilate screaming, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. 
But yet we know that though the majority rejected him, there were still a faithful few in Israel that were looking for the Messiah. The book of Luke chapter 1 and 2 tell us of a few of these folks, Zacharias and Elizabeth. We know the parents of John the Baptist, Mary and Joseph, the earthly parents of Jesus, the shepherds whom we know about, and now Anna and Simeon, all faithful people who were looking for the Messiah to come. One thing that I have found all throughout scriptures and I believe still remains true today is that no matter how bad things get and no matter how much it seems like nobody is looking for Jesus or serving Jesus or care anything about Jesus, I'm reminded over and over in scripture that God has always got a faithful remnant that is still looking for him, that is still serving him, and that's still believes that he is coming just like he said. You see, I believe that there's still a faithful remnant in this planet today that are looking not for his first coming, but for his second coming. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 tells us, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Salvation. You see, before we can really even get into talking about his first coming, I want to take a little pause and remind us that I want to be a part of, even if it's a small remnant of people, just like it was a small remnant that was looking for his first coming, I want to be a part of a remnant that is looking for him to come back the second time. I believe that he came the first time, and if you believe, and I believe that he came the first time, we also must believe that he is coming back the second time. There's an old song, and I'm not going to sing it and hurt your ears, but it says, I believe he's coming back like he said. I believe that a trumpet's going to sound so loud. One day, it'll wake the dead. I still believe. I'm still in a remnant. Some people mock it and say, oh, you think that rapture thing is real? That's just a joke. That's just me believe? Absolutely not. I believe that, yes, Jesus came the first time. Yes, Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, he was dead three days. Yes, he rose again. And just like there was a faithful remnant in Israel that looked for him the first time, I intend to be a part of a remnant that is looking for him to come back again. Come on, give him praise if you believe that today. Shake the person beside you, say, wake up just a little bit. Y'all sang beautiful. I know it was an acoustic morning and everything, but listen, I, sometimes I guess you got to have drums to get y'all good and waking up and everything. So, number two, Christ, if you're taking notes, the second thing I want us to look at is that Christ came to an oppressed people. You see, we find that Israel, talking first of all politically, Israel was under bondage to Rome. Most of us know that have studied scriptures, we know that at the time of the first coming of Christ, it was a time where the Roman Empire was at its peak. They had conquered most of the known world. Caesar had his iron fist ruling most of the known world at that time, and Israel was no exception. 
They got to have their religion, and they got to have a few of their rulers, but really and truly we know, of course, and we find when it came to the death penalty even being uh, given, that they had to go to Pilate, the governor of Rome that was placed there over them. They were in political bondage to Rome. You know, it's been amazing to me as I look back and I read and I read through Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. You know, it's kind of a sad situation when you look at it and you look back on the fact of how powerful Israel was under David, how, how mighty and powerful and rich they were under Solomon. And then you look at some of their successors and you look how they begin to turn away from the Lord. And, and it seems like story after story, some army, because they have not been living for the Lord, some army the Lord allows to come in there, take some of the gold out of the temple, take some of the shields that David had made, take some of those things. And, and they had come to that place in their history as well where they had come back to the land. They had been taken into captivity by Babylon and had come back under Nehemiah. And, and, but yet they were not at the glory that they once were. They didn't even really control their self. They were under bondage to Rome. The people were not only under political bondage to Rome, they were under bondage to religious legalism and tradition. When you study back, you find that back in the Old Testament that the Lord gave to Moses, he gave different laws and different things that he wanted them to do. But we find that over a course of hundreds of years that the religious group had come up with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different little methodical religious things that they were supposed to do. Silly things from traveling on the Sabbath that if they needed to travel on the Sabbath. Now listen, I'm a firm believer in and sometime or another, I'm going to get to preaching on the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Day. And I still believe that God deserves one day out of our week that's holy. But yet we know that God gave them exception if you've got something, the oxygen, and they came up with this stuff that if you had to travel, you'd have to pre-plan to set up a little camp a certain ways out, and you can only go. So, and they had become so bogged down in, in this legalism and, and these man-made traditions that now that what was supposed to give them freedom, uh, their relationship and connection to God was also a burden of bondage bondage on them as well. But not only just this, we know also that the human race in general was under the bondage to sin. People were in bondage. People were oppressed to sin. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, if there's ever been a day where we're looking at people under the bondage of sin, it is today. You know, I'm thankful, and please don't take the, I'm, thank, I'm thankful for ministries. You know we support ministries. I, I, I'm thankful for our friends Jennifer and Jeremy Smith down in McGee where they have their, their, their uh, restoration ministries for those addicted to drugs and alcohol. I've gone over to Kill Michael. They have another campus in Nettleton. Uh, God's House of Hope where so many that are addicted to drugs and alcohol are trying to get. And those are just some that i am got just kind of some direct contacts with. That's not even them. Folks, we are looking at a society and a place where people are so bound. They are under bondage to drugs and alcohol. People are living under bondage. Not just that. They're addictions. People are, are just addicted. They're addicted to pornography. They're addicted to gambling. 
gambling. They're addicted to all kinds of things. And the human race was under the bondage of sin. And that, I believe, is one of the main reasons why Jesus came to this earth. Because he came to set those that are oppressed and those that are in bondage. He came to set them free. And that's not changed today. I believe that there are still people that he wants to set free. Please don't misunderstand me here today. I believe that the purpose of us being here, being the light of the world, being the salt of the earth, being the city set on a hill, is to tell people that, listen, I know I told you that that they got bogged down in religion and all of these man-made rules that became a burden to them. But listen, I truly still believe that a relationship with Jesus Christ will not bog you down, but will set you free. Amen. Give God praise if you still believe that today. I got to move on third. We look now at Simeon, the listening prophet. The name Simeon means hearing. Everyone say hearing. So Simeon was a man that was obviously, if you hear something, you've got to be listening, don't you? Now we find at this point in time, we find that we have just let up. We've come from the the intertestamental period, a period of 400 years of silence where God was not speaking through prophets. God's message was 400 years. There seemed to be absolute silence from God. He was not speaking. Nobody was prophesying. Everything from heaven, it seemed, had gone silent. Listen, if there was ever a time to give up on God, I think this may have been it. 400 years, and they hadn't heard anything from them. Let's just be honest. As people, don't you think as people, the people in us, the human part in us, would kind of be thinking, God, you still up there? Are you still alive? Are you still up there? Have you forgotten about us? 400 years. They had not heard anything from God. But there was still somebody named Simeon who was listening. You see, we found that he is a man that was blessed with spiritual graces. According to Scripture, he was just and devout. According to Scripture, he was Holy Ghost anointed. According to Scripture, we find that God had spoken to him and told him that he would see the Messiah before he died. It had been 400 years since God had spoken, but thank God that Simeon still had his ears open. You know, sometimes I hear people and they say, you know, the Lord just isn't telling me anything. Let let me just, I'm going to Let me be careful right here. I hear some of these preachers all the time that, I mean, it seems like God's telling them something every moment of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, I just have to apologize if that's the right thing. He's not telling me something 24-7. I got to be honest. Sometimes I feel like I go through some of these times of silence like Israel did. But listen, that does not excuse us from closing. It is at that time that we've got to become even more sensitive 
and realize that he may be waiting, but if we'll keep our ears open, he's going to speak something worthwhile into our lives. Simeon, it had been silent. It had been quiet, but Simeon was still listening, and thank God he was listening because God said, Simeon, you're not going to take your last breath before I show you my deliverance that is coming from. I need to tell somebody in this place today that you feel like God hadn't been saying anything. You feel like God has been silent. Let me just encourage you to be like Simeon and don't stop listening. Don't quit listening. Keep on keeping your ears to heaven and I believe that God will speak to you if you will listen to him. Now here's the fourth thing that I want to say, the spiritual graces that he had. The fourth and what I believe is the most difficult thing, and that is that he was patient. He had patiently, he was waiting. Look at verse 25 there. A man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting. Everybody say waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. None of us like to wait, do we? We want it right here, right now. And I know y'all say, well, don't you talk about this all the time? Hey, every time I read in this Bible, I find that and I relate it to me. I know that I want it and I want it right now and right here. But Simeon, thank God, he was a lot more patient with me. He had gotten the word from the Lord and it seemed like he had such an assurance of what God told him, that he was just patiently waiting, going through his duty. Listen, it didn't matter if he had a chest pain. It didn't matter if he got a little dizzy-headed. Why? Because he had such a faith that said, My, this ticker ain't going to give out on me yet because I have still not seen what God said I would see. <laughs> he was patient. i got to keep on moving. Fourthly, Simeon's vision was fulfilled. Now, I believe that this is significant here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 27. It says this, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. You see, I, I'm just taking this at face value. You can interpret it however you want it, but I'm going to take this at face value. I'm going to look at this in face value, and the way that I'm going to look at it is it does not seem like that was going to be his normal time and his normal day to clock in there at the temple. He was a priest. He ministered at the temple. But it does not seem to me that that was going to be the normal time. But yet we find that God would not let him miss it. Can I talk to somebody for just a second? Because I've been here before. I've been at that place and I've said, oh God, don't let me miss what you've got for me. Don't let me miss what you have for me. Here's the deal. I promise you, if you'll just keep your ears open, God's not going to let you. I don't believe it was Simeon's normal time and assigned time to go into the temple. No, it says specifically that he was led by the Spirit of God into the temple. That when God gets ready for you to receive what he has for you, if you're listening and sensitive to his Spirit, he will lead you into the place at the time that he needs you to be there. Don't 
don't you be worried about missing it. If you're listening to him, he's going to take care of you. So then we find that Simeon then gave praise to God for sending Christ. We know, of course, the angels had praised him. Jesus is now eight days old. We know the night of his birth, angels had praised him. We know that according to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 13, that right now at this very moment, there are angels in heaven praising him. But Simeon gave praise to God. It says in verse 28, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Folks, can I tell you that there should not be another time any more important to praise than Christmas time. Simeon realized that the fulfillment of the prophecy that redemption had come to Israel and he took that baby in his arms and he gave praise to God. Didn't care what the parents thought. Didn't care what anybody else around him thought. He had to give praise because God had showed him the deliverer that was to come. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm just wanting encourage you this Christmas season when you hold your blessings in your arms, when you're looking at your blessings sitting around your table, when you're looking at your blessings, your little blessings sitting around your Christmas tree, I just dare somebody to just stop and praise God for the blessings and the promises that he has given to you. We find Simeon fulfilled his mission as a prophet. In verse 30, he declared Christ Jesus as Savior. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He didn't beat around the bush. He wasn't scared to ruffle any. Remember what I'm telling you here. Now, Anna and Simeon were both looking, but remember what we talked at the very beginning of this. There was a whole lot of people that did not believe and did not receive Christ, but Simeon, he really did not care. He was going to tell it like it was. He declared Christ to be Savior. And not only declared Christ to be Savior, but then he prophesied salvation to the Gentiles. Verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So I think that most of us, I don't know, there could be somebody here. Is there anybody here that's Jewish here today? Anybody that's a Jew? We've got, we've got one, not many. So for the rest of us, don't matter whether we are white brown or black. You know what we all are? We're Gentiles if we're not Jews. And it was because of this baby Jesus that Simeon prophesied now, now a light for revelation to the Gentiles for the glory to Europe and glory to your people. Thank God that Simeon saw it, that that little baby was bringing a light of redemption for all of us who were not Jews. He foretold this isn't as much shouting right here. He did, however, foretell of Mary's sorrow. Look at verses 34 and 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling 
and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This old man, Simeon, we're not really told exactly I don't know if when he put down Jesus, he went back to his room and he died. It's very possible because all he was promised with God was that he would see Jesus. So we don't really know. I've never really done an in-depth study to know when exactly that he died. But before he died, as he's holding that baby and he looks at Mary, this man of God saw prophetically either at that moment or maybe God had been showing him this before. However, he saw something that Mary did not even realize at the time, and he prophesied and he told Mary about how that this baby named Jesus was going to change the world and how also a sword will pierce your own soul also. I believe that Simeon, God, showed him Mary there. You can just go further on in the gospel, and you'll find what he prophesied about. Mary, at the foot of the cross, as Jesus was bleeding and died in that sword pierced her soul. Fifthly, we take a look at Anna. She was a messianic announcer. We, we begin to read about her. We find that she was a holy woman. According to verse 37 of our text, that she served God through fasting and prayer. In fact, we find that she was very old, it says. She had lived. Listen, you can't. That's the Bible. I know lady, ladies don't get mad. They get mad, you know, if you tell them, hey, you're, you're an old lady. But this is the Bible saying it. Can't get mad at the Bible. It says she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. What a seemingly, when we first look at that, I know that my wife has just been ingesting all of these Hallmark Christmas movies as fast as she can. I'm not going to ask for you ladies to show, have a show of hands, and I got a feeling she's not the only one. But this is, amen. <laughs> But as we look at this, this is definitely not a Hallmark Christmas movie ending here. It's a tragic ending. She married her husband, lived with him for seven years, and he passed away. And what many would look at and think that it was tragedy turned into a life that was completely consecrated and dedicated to the Lord. The Bible says that, hey, after, after seven years, after he died, after seven years of marriage, she went and her life was dedicated until she was 84 years old, that she prayed, that she fasted, that she sought the Lord. Can I stop for just a minute and, and just say how thankful I am? How thankful I am for how many, not just, not just Anna, but how many widows through the years God has used in the church to pray I'm thankful. I've seen it over and over. 
that they raise a family, they lose their husband, and, and, and they tell me, time after time, I've had, I've had so many tell me, Pastor, I'm so sorry, I wish you would have known me when I was younger. I used to could do this. I could go here and do this, cook this, and teach that. I just can't get around anymore. But I pray for you, and I'm always, Sister, I'm, thank you. That You don't know how important that is to me as a pastor, to your family, to the church. Right here, we see that kind of ministry in this woman, Anna. So can I just speak maybe to some that are at that place right now and just confirm and affirm you for a second and say, I thank God for older people that are, they can't do like they used to do. They can't go like they used to go, but they're dedicated to praying for their family, dedicated to praying for their pastor, dedicated to praying for their church. I thank God for them. And maybe some of you that are sneaking up on that, can I just tell you, please, I know there's hurt and loss and pain, but I just want to confirm and affirm to you that that is such an important ministry that we see lived out by Anna. We find in verse 38 that she spoke to the temple crowd and proclaimed the baby Jesus to be the source of redemption. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, she was dedicated. She came up and she just had to, she just had to start talking about this baby named Jesus. He had already, he already, hey, look, look, go back to verse 21. On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name that the angel had given him before he had been conceived. So here is the story. Here we, we find that Simeon has already, he's holding the baby. He's prophesied to Mary. And now Anna shows up. And she sees the baby and she starts telling everybody. Can I tell you about that little baby named Jesus right there? Said everybody that was wanted to hear. on the He was named this. Anybody that would hear her. He like, hey, let me tell you. See that baby? over there named Jesus. See that baby over there named Jesus. Hey, do you, do you care anything about if you? And I think the way it sounds to me, it was like whoever would hear it, there's probably some that she started talking to and they're like, hey old lady, I don't care anything about what you, I'm too busy. she just go on to the next person until she's found somebody that would listen. And folks, that's what we are here to do. We're here to tell anybody and listen, everybody and anybody, we're here to tell them about Jesus. Unfortunately, there's going to be some that they don't want to listen. There's going to be some that they don't care, but thank God that's not going to be all of them. There are some, I believe, still on this planet, still in this city, still in this county that still want to hear and need to hear about this child named Jesus. She went telling everybody that would listen about this baby named Jesus. Stand with me, if you will, please. We find finally that Anna and Simeon exemplified hope. That their hope of a Messiah became a reality. The book of Titus, chapter 2 and verse 13, 
Paul called the return of Christ that blessed hope. See, today I believe, I believe we have hope. We have hope because of the first coming of Jesus Christ. We have hope because he did come, take on flesh, dwelt among men. We do have hope because of that first coming, that our sins can be washed away because of his precious blood. But that's not the only place that we can have hope. We have hope in the fact that just like he came the first time, he's coming back again. You can have hope. You can have freedom. You can have redemption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And in that, you can have hope that this is not the end. You know, I don't know exactly where this world's going. There's, it seems like some moments I have some hope and, like, you know, maybe the Lord will just give us a little bit more grace and bless us one more time and let us see and and then there's other times where I look around and I see what's going on in this world and all I can think is even so come quickly Lord Jesus I'm not here to get political on anybody I'm not here to scare anybody but let me just tell you there's a lot of people scared you know you know what I am tired of God's people living in fear every time listen Delta variant, get scared. Omicron, get scared. Who knows what's, if you're from the 80s and you like Transformers, you better be more scared of Unicron than Omicron. Some of y'all will get that, some of y'all won't. And I'm not, again, you know I've been here long enough and I've told you, I know it's real. I've buried people that had it. I've had the stinking thing myself, but what we can't do anymore is live in fear. We can't let fear drive us and fear divide us and fear. Listen, there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. You want to know what the ultimate hope is? Well, you just get to reading in there because of Jesus, that baby that came and his redemptive work. The ultimate hope is that Jesus, as he's teaching, says, don't you fear the one that can kill your body. Don't be afraid. Can, can I take it? Just it's, it's more than COVID. Don't be afraid of cancer. Don't be afraid. And I'm not saying be stupid. Take care of yourself if you can. That's not what I'm saying. But don't live in fear of cancer. Don't live in fear of COVID. Don't live in fear of, of, of what's happening around you. No, because of G. Don't be afraid, the Bible says, of those that take your life. Instead, be afraid of thou, the one that can take your soul. And listen, if you have accepted the gift that that baby named Jesus has given, if your sins have been washed away by his blood and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, what in the world do you even have to be afraid of anyway? Because I still believe to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Come on, give God praise for that if you believe that. Don't live in fear. 
Don't let fear grip you. Don't be under the bondage of fear. Don't be under the bondage of sin. Don't be. Jesus Christ came to give you freedom. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I believe that Jesus came, and I believe that he came to give us freedom. I told you that he came to a people that were under bondage, under the bondage of Rome, under the bondage of religion, under the bondage of sin. And that same Jesus that came to that group of people that were under those things says, he came also for this group of people right here in December of 2021. He came to set you free from any bondage that you may be under right now. And I'm going to make this real simple, and I'm not going to beg, plead, pumper, prime. But I also don't want to shut this down without giving an opportunity to somebody here today. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, I feel like I, I, I feel like I'm in bondage to something. You should know me well enough by now. I'm not going to stick a microphone in your face. I'm not even going to ask you what it is. That's between you and the Lord. But you may be here and you may feel like you are under bondage. Bondage to fear. Maybe you're in bondage to drugs or alcohol. I don't know what it may be. Fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of losing your job, fear of fire. I don't know what it is. But if you're here today and there's anything that seems to be holding you down and you want freedom from it today, these altars are open right now. I want you to just come and find a place. And I want to pray with you because Jesus came to set you free. As they begin to sing, anybody here, and you say, Pastor, I, I, I'm in fear. No matter what it may be, fear, drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, whatever it may be, if you need set free from it, as they begin to sing, come on down. This altar's open. This, this time is for you. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to set you free. Hallelujah. Come on, saints. Just lift your hands and begin to pray. As they begin to sing, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. Hallelujah. You restore. Come on, don't be afraid. This is not a time to be embarrassed. This is a time to find freedom. Hallelujah. Great are you. Come on, these altars are open. You give life. Come on, some of you ladies, come and help me pray today. altars are open for you right now. It's your breath in my lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in my lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in my lungs. So we pour Your breath in I 
Come on, just declare that and sing it out. You are so great. Singing great are you, Lord. Oh, we sing out that you are so great. Great are you, Lord. Come on, sing. You give life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Oh, and great are you, Lord. Come on, sing that again. You are so we just pray for freedom here today. We pray that every captive would be set free, Lord. Those that are under the bondage of sin, those that are under bondages of other things, fear, addictions of all types, Lord, anxiety, depression, let it be broken off today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, you came, you came to set the captive free, and we speak that freedom right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, O Lord. Thank you, O Lord. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Set us free. Set us free today, O Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you the thanks. Give you the praise. We give you the honor, O Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you thankful today? I'm thankful. I'm thankful God has been so good to me. I'm thankful. I want to be a part of